0: Welcome back to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it's the retro pay-per-view review of the week. Vengeance 2005. But before I get into that, make sure, if you haven't already, punch that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, wherever you find your podcasts. And if you want to hear my takes or read my takes on the latest in professional wrestling, Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at SigDaddyWrestle, and also follow me on Instagram at SigDaddy.Wrestle. Let's get this thing kicked off. Vengeance 2005 taking place in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Thomas and Mack Center. 9,850 in attendance and according according to a Fightful uh, article by Brandon Howard Thurston. This was the highest bought, actually the highest buy rate for a WWE pay-per-view during the original brand split era. This did 420,000 buys, an impressive buy rate for really what was a a B-show. It was a B-show. It wasn't one of the, the big four, the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, or Survivor Series. This was vengeance. And Vengeance took place June 26th, 2005. So I'm recording this on June 26th, 2020. So 15 years ago to the day, Vengeance 2005 took place. And the show uh, started with not show, but the pre-show. It was Sunday night heat and the match was Rosie and the Hurricane. And they defeated uh, the Heartthrobs to retain their World Tag Team Championships. The show kicks off with a IC title match. Carlito defending his newly won Intercontinental Championship against Shelton Benjamin. Carlito came over from uh, SmackDown in the uh, draft lottery, and in his first match on Raw, he won the IC title. Carlito won the IC title after Shelton failed to, do- failed to dive over the top rope. He hit the top rope falling kind of headfirst into the floor, which Lawler said that ultimately caused him, the- costed him the match. Carlito ended up winning the IC title by cheating, and it led to this match at Vengeance. And this match, I thought this was a pretty good opener between Carlito and Shelton Benjamin, and... The story of the match was Shelton's equilibrium being off. His head—he's not being able to get to the top rope. He's kind of struggling. He's slow to get to pins. It was a nice little bit of psychology in that in that match, and I kind of enjoyed it. And they told the simple story, and ultimately, Shelton Benjamin not being able to capitalize off of big moves costed him the match. Because late in the match, uh, Benjamin goes for a German. Uh, He puts Carlito in the ropes. The ref breaks it up. Benjamin puts Carlito in the corner. And then Carlito removes the turnbuckle pad. Carlito then hits a spinning power slam for a two count. Benjamin hits the spinning back heel kick. And then Carlito fully removes the turnbuckle cover. And Benjamin goes for a stinger splash in the corner. Benjamin misses, goes head first. Into the exposed turnbuckle. And Carlito rolls him up with the tights to get the win. And he retains his title in 12 minutes and 50 seconds. Like I said, this is a pretty solid opener. Nice psychology and a nice story told with uh, Benjamin's equilibrium being off. It's a big word. I can't use big words, I guess. But uh, at least say big words. But it ultimately costed him the match. I'm going to give this match a B-grade. Solid opener to start the show. Carlito retaining his Intercontinental Championship. After that, we get a uh, we get we go backstage where Triple H and Ric Flair are arriving to both the arena and their locker room. After that, we get Victoria versus Christy Hemi. And Christy Hemi, what led into this was Christy Hemming wi- Hemi winning a swimsuit contest. Which this which then made Victoria attack all the divas in the ring and Christy Hemi. And then Christy is angry next week. And yada yada yada. Victoria breaks the breaks glass over her back and well the back of her head and neck. And we get this match at We get the match at Vengeance. And this was not very good. Easily the worst match on the show. They go five minutes and six seconds, and Victoria counters an Irish whip and throws Christy in the corner. Christy floats over, hits her. uh, Christy floats over with a split on the top rope. The most, probably the most impressive thing during this match. She goes for a victory roll on Victoria. Victoria sits on her and then grabs the ropes to get the three count and the win. I thought this was kind of weird since we already had one match end with the roll up and the tights, and this was another win by. Pretty much cheating. Interesting way to start the pay-per-view. Two heels winning in a row. There's not much to talk about when it comes to the match. Christy, the closest she got, was hitting a DDT on Victoria. And that was pretty much the closest she ever got to winning the match. And really, this match wasn't great. Not a lot of time. I didn't really enjoy it that much. I'm going to give it a C minus. Following that, we get John Cena with Todd Grisham, and he's talking about how he feels like the new kid in school, and Todd Grisham, he's bragging about how he was the cool kid in school, and then he was athletic. Cena doesn't believe either of them, and then he admits he had an accident in biology class and embarrassed himself, and then he got called Todd Pissom instead of Todd Grisham. And... Uh, he says every not everybody has their mo- everybody has their moments in high school when he rolls his eyes. And then he talks about his upcoming match later on in the night with Christian and Chris Jericho defending his WWE championship. Well, oh, John Cena defending his WWE championship that he won at WrestleMania 21. He called Christian the creepy kid, picking his nose on the bus, and then Jericho was a rock star with the leopard pants and stuffing his crotch. And he's a new kid, he's the new kid in town. And School's out, boys. It's business tonight. And this ain't about the fame and fortune. It's it's about taking care of those who take care of me. And then he's fought like hell to get here. And he's gonna fight like hell to keep his title. And he says, watch. Uh, he says, tonight, watch the kid voted most likely to kick everyone's ass. That was a terrible John Cena impression, but you get the gist. After that, we get Edge with Lita versus Kane. And... Uh, I got to say this before I go any further into the pay-per-view review, but every match other than the opener got some sort of video package. Even Victoria versus Christie got a video package. Every match, but the opener between, uh, well, opener between Shelton Benjamin and Carlito, they got a video package. And this storyline was just kind of weird. The match... They were fighting for a world title match in a gold rush. It was a gold rush tournament. It was a gold rush tournament. It was the final match, and this was determined the number one contender for the world heavyweight title. And uh, Lita and Kane are still in this relationship. Really weird relationship. It got all started with Matt Hardy, and Matt Hardy losing a Death Until Death Do Us Part match, and Lita getting impregnated by Kane. And then this eventually led to... Kane well Lita and Edge getting together but there was real life stuff going on with Lita and Matt Hardy before that Uh, and then Matt ultimately got fired and then rehired and really this was the official kickoff to the Lita Edge relationship that would continue up until probably the latter parts of 2006 and she cost Kane the match by tossing Edge the briefcase and hit him with it, and then she tells Kane that she never loved him and never would love a twisted freak, and they fell in love with a real man named Edge. And while she while she ran, fell in love with Edge, while Kane ran errands for, her. and Kane's talking about how pain is his worst enemy, and then Lita flushes their wedding ring down the toilet, and Edge and Lita get married on Raw. Kane ends up. Interrupting the wedding, like most WWE weddings end up, he, he interrupts, ruins it, and tombstones the priest. And this is just a really odd time in the company. Well, especially with this storyline, it's it, it was messed up from the start with the Kane thing, and then it just got even weirder and weirder. And then real life took place, and it's with Matt Hardy, and it was it was nuts. There's a lot of, a lot of variables and stuff going on, variables and a lot of different things going on at this point, but. Really, this match was pretty good. I thought I thought they had a pretty good match. There was overbooking at the end, but it made sense. And if you didn't know, Snitsky kind of costed uh, Kane his baby with Lita. It caused her to have a miscarriage, and Snitsky gets involved during this match. And most of this was Kane dominating for the first four or five minutes, and then Edge dominating. For a little bit, and then Kane making his comeback, Snitsky getting involved, and Kane ultimately overcoming. But I'll just give you the finish. The last few, well, last few moments of it. Edge goes for the spear on Kane. Kane counters with a big boot. Kane goes for the choke slam. Then Snitsky shows up. Kane boots Snitsky off the apron. And then Goozles Edge. Then Lita comes in with a chair. She drops it and then tries to seduce Kane. Kane then goozles her and chokes her. Kane then puts Lita's head in the chair. Snitsky comes back and hits the boot on Kane. Kane kicks out at two. And then Edge goes for the DDT. Kane counters. Snitsky then dives off the top rope. Kane goozles him. And then Edge tries to hit him with the briefcase. Kane moves. Edge blasts Snitsky with it. And then Kane gets the choke slam and gets the win at 11 minutes and 11 seconds. Like I said, the overbooking in this match made perfectly sense. And it helped the crowd. The crowd was hot for this. In all reality, the crowd was pretty hot for this, especially the finish. And a lot, the, the story was pretty simple, which I am totally fine with. And Kane gets his retribution there. And I enjoyed this. Not bad. B minus grade for that match from me. Then we get the rematch. Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle, part two. The question was: it was simple. Could they follow up their WrestleMania 21 classic with yet another classic? They did a pretty good job here. They did a pretty good job in following up. Really good match between these two. Kurt Angle working Sean's neck. It was a different psychological thing they did. Instead of being so focused on the knee and ankle, which would become the focus later in the match, Kurt was main focus early in the match was on the neck. This was not as finisher heavy as the WrestleMania 21 match. You saw Kurt Angle hit the angle slam off the second rope. Kurt hit one angle slam here, and Kurt would only get the ankle lock really on-on one time. And Sean would not tap from that. And, I don't know. This match was really good. There was one part where I did... There's a couple little things I just didn't like about this match. The one, there was a ref bump during it that I felt was completely unnecessary. And then the other was the finish. The finish was kind of... It was just not what I wanted out of that match. But... Still, these guys put on a hell of a match. Sean sells the knee late in the match. After he gets knocked off the apron, Kurt Angle gets the ankle lock, which was cool because Shawn Michaels at one point gets a waist lock. Kurt slides underneath him, gets the ankle lock on him, and it's great. Actually, he gets the ankle lock on him twice, but the second time was really the big moment. And man, it's still really good match from these two. Those two things I had to nitpick Worthy finish in the ref bump. Here's the finish. So, Angle's back in the ring. Straps down. Angle counters Sweet Chin Music went into an ankle lock. And he's holding on to this ankle lock like a pit bull. He is not letting go of it. Michaels eventually counters and sends Angle shoulder first into the ring post. HBK does hit Sweet Chin Music on Angle. He drapes his arm over him, similar to WrestleMania 21. And Angle kicks out. At the very last second, then Kurt Angle decides to head up top, which I don't understand that, and dives on HBK, and HBK super kicks him out of midair, and that's the end of the match. And there's also a callback to WrestleMania 21. If you remember that post spot, where if you if you've watched the WrestleMania 21 match between Angle and Michaels, there's a spot where Kurt Angle, Angle slams him into the ring post. They try to go for that, and it doesn't work. Michaels counters it, but Angle ends up German German suplexing him on the announce table. But still, there were some cool callbacks to the WrestleMania 21 matchup. Great follow-up to the WrestleMania match. Just not up to the level of that match, but still a very good match and the best match on the show at this point. And the nitpick things, the things I had to nitpick were the ref bump during the match, which didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. And then the finish with the two Sweet Chin Music's in a row. And the one thing this was lacking a little bit was the drama the first one had. But the first one had was on, first one was on a much bigger stage, WrestleMania 21. You can't expect as much drama, which I I understand. And still, this match was really good. It's gonna get an A minus grade. And really, a great match between these two. You come to expect this out of HBK and Kurt Angle. Almost every time, they could put on a good match in their sleep. After that, we get Coachman interviewing Batista backstage. The commentary team, actually, for this, I forgot to mention it earlier, was Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, and Jonathan Coachman. And the ring announcer was a young Justin Roberts. Uh, Coachman's backstage with Batista, and Batista he says Batista looks scared spitless. Batista ain't happy, and Triple H will have to kill him. To take the title from them, this ends up getting into kind of a tie-up situation, and then everyone's gonna kind of has to separate them. You see Michael P.S. Hayes and Arn Anderson separating the two uh, combatants that will do battle inside Hell on in a Cell later on in the night, and then we get to an interesting se- segment. So it's a little bit of a break. From the norm, we just got off that high. That was the Shawn michaels Kurt Angle match. And there's a couch in the ring. It's Lillian. And she's talking about how it's been a whirlwind couple of months for her, all due to Viscera, the world's largest love... Excuse me. The world's largest love machine. He shows up, and Lillian's pouring her heart out to him. And he's made her... He tells... Lillian that he's made her feel not Lillian, but Lillian tells him that he's made her feel things that she's never felt before. Wink wink. And at first it scared her a little bit, and she talks about how he showed her how sexy of a man he could be, and they sit on the couch. This is kind of all kinds of cringe and awkwardness. And she sings for Viscera, returning the favor after Viscera sang to her. And I met. It's in my notes that this was all kinds of cringe, cringe. And she told him last week that he would hit the jackpot. And then Lillian gets on, gets down on one knee and proposes to him. And he's like, "Uh, I'm not sure about this." And he looks at the crowd for guidance. And this tells her, "This is real heavy stuff." And he'll take it into consideration. And Godfather shows up. Godfather and his Oh train show up and Godfather says something's got, somebody's got to do something about this. And he talks about how this used to be a pimp in training. And then the ladies were excited to hear big. This was coming to Vegas and Godfather says, it ain't about Lillian. And he knows the appetite he has. And it doesn't even compare to the one he has for sex. And he, sa- he asks Viscera, do you, you want to walk down the aisle with one woman for the rest of your life or take a ride on the HOE TRAIN? And Vis makes some weird noises as he interacts with each of the hoes. And Vis has one just one thing to say, all aboard the hoe train. And Vis looks back at Lillian from the ramp and says he's sorry as he dances with Godfather and his hoes. And Lillian's crying in the ring. And I guess this was a little bit nice, a little nice change of pace kind of to give the crowd a chance to recuperate from that match between Angle and HBK, which, which I didn't mention. Went over 26 minutes. So this was a nice break for the fans. Bit cringeworthy, but whatever. After that, we get the triple threat match. Christian, with Tyson Tomko in his corner, taking on Chris Jericho, taking on John Cena, who is defending his WWE Championship. Cena, he came over to Raw as the first pick in the draft lottery. Jericho, that he was the one that announced that on the highlight reel. Christian erupts. Christian raps about Cena. They brawl on the show. Bischoff makes Christian the number one contender. Jericho's not happy and says he deserves that title shot. And then Jericho and Cena tag against Tomko and Christian. Cena wins the match. And then Jericho jumps him from behind post-match. And that's enough to convince Eric Bischoff to make it a triple threat match. And really, this was Jericho and Christian working were working together in this match for a short time. They didn't work together for very long. Their egos or too big. Tomko, he got kicked out really early on, but would re-enter the match later on, lining Cena off a distraction from Christian, and this was kind of tri- typical triple threat stuff, where one guy, two guys fight each other in the ring while the other guy is outside of the ring, down and out. But still, this was a pretty good match, especially down the stretch. This thing got pretty good. Like I said, Tomko. Showed back up at one time and clotheslined Cena after this was after Christian grabbed the title belt. Cena kicked out of that, and then Cena back body dropped Christian to the outside. Jericho put the walls in on Cena and then springboarded Christian, springboard drop kicked Christian off the top rope, not the top rope, but the apron did Jericho, and then Jericho goes back to the walls on Cena. Christian then rolls up Jericho for another two count. Christian goes for the unprettier on Jericho. Jericho pushes him into Cena. Cena then has Christian set up for the FU, and I'm not calling it the attitude adjustment. It was the FU. Jericho charges, and then Cena whips Christian's leg into Jericho's face and hits the FU, pins Christian, and it's all over. And mostly... Like I said, mostly this was a standard triple threat match where one guy's down and the other two fight, fight in the ring. But I said, down the stretch, you got pretty good, and I really liked the finish. After this match, Cena celebrates with the crowd. Jericho and Christian's egos ultimately were too big for their alliance to last very long, and it really costed them the match. And Cena overcomes the odds here, which would become the story of his whole entire career, and it's his calling card but still, this is a pretty darn good triple threat. It was. It went 15 minutes and 8 seconds. I'm gonna give it a B plus. This show, after the first three or so matches, really picked up. Really, really picked up. Which brings me to the main event of this show. Deeply personal feud. Starting. It started all back in 2003 when. Batista joined Triple H, Randy Orton, and Ric Flair in Evolution. And this has been building up for two years or so. And Batista, he won the Royal Rumble. He decided to use his title shot on Triple H. He wins the title at WrestleMania 21. And then Triple H loses in the rematch. And this is Triple H's last shot at him. And Batista, before the match, before the in the, moment, in the weeks leading up to the match, didn't think Triple H was good enough to face him again. Triple H quit Raw because of Batista. And Batista then tells Rick that it wasn't my fault. It was Triple H's fault. And then after a match, Batista gets low-blowed by Flair. And Triple H then hits Batista with the sledgehammer and challenges him to a Hell in a Cell match. And at this point in Triple H's career... He was undefeated inside of Hell in a Cell. 6-0. And to the actual match, this was great. This was a fantastic Hell in a Cell match. Probably one of the best Hell in a Cell matches I have ever seen. And I I, I would dare to say this has been the bet this was the best Hell in a Cell match in the last 15 years. I don't. I don't think I've seen anything that measures even closely uh, resembles or measures up to this match. The feud, the violence, the story told throughout this match. And it's just a great Hell in a Cell match. I definitely recommend you go out and check this out. The Cell was used fantastically. They used it throughout the match. They used weapons during this match. There's a barbed wire wrapped steel chair The sledgehammer gets used, a chain gets used, steel steps get used in this match, there's blood and guts, and it's all, it's everything I've wanted a Hell in a Cell match to be. It really was. And the finish, the finish was really, really good, because Batista sets up Triple H for the Batista Bomb. Triple H goes low. He hits his big move, he hits the pedigree on Batista. Batista kicks out. And then we have the Steel Steps inside the ring. Triple H goes for a pedigree on that. And Batista counters into a spinebuster. Spine spinebuster. Spinebusters but not Batista, but spinebusters Triple H on the Steel Steps. Batista sets up for the Batista Bomb. Triple H, he grabs his big gun. He grabs His rifle, it's the sledgehammer. Batista raises him up for the Batista bomb. Triple H goes for the sledgehammer shot, but does not pull the trigger quick enough. Batista hits the Batista bomb, and Triple H loses his last chance at the World Heavyweight Championship. Batista retains here, and it's a beautiful Hell in a Cell match. 26 minutes and 55 seconds. Didn't feel long at all. It's great definitely go check it out. This is how you conclude a feud. This is how you conclude a feud. And this is this makes me miss the days where Hell in a Cell was used to conclude a paper not a pay-per-view but a conclude a feud, not just some pay-per-view gimmick. And this is everything you want in a Hell in a Cell match. A personal feud, violence, brutality and Most importantly, finality. And I love the finish. Triple H not being able to pull the trigger with the sledgehammer in time. And I love the visual of Triple H still having his gun in hand, his pistol in hand, being the gunslinger that he is. That's JR. JR called him a gunslinger. He had his last shot ready. He just didn't pull the trigger quick enough. And the younger guy, Batista... Not the younger guy, but the up-and-comer Batista pulled the trigger before him and would retain his World Heavyweight Championship. I'm going to give this match an A. Definitely, definitely, definitely go out of your way to watch this Hell in a Cell match. It's great. It is great. Probably... It's got to be... I think it's my favorite Hell in a Cell match. It is my favorite Hell in a Cell match. I know Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, the first one was fantastic. The um, Mankind Undertaker one was really good also. There's also Triple H and Cactus Jack. I just like this one the best. That's my personal taste, my personal opinion. This is my favorite Hell in a Cell match of all time, and I think it's one of the best and most underrated Cell matches of uh, all time. Overall for this pay-per-view, man, did the last half of the show deliver. Once it got to Kurt, John, and Batista and Triple H, man, did this thing turn up a notch. I'm going to give this show a B+. Plus. And in the eight weeks I've been doing these retro pay-per-view reviews, this was definitely the best show I've watched so far. And if you eliminate the Christy-Victoria match from this pay-per-view, this is probably, arguably, the one of the best pay-per-views of the Ruthless Aggression era. Everything on here, minus that match I previously mentioned, was good to great. The last three matches were especially good, with the main event and Angle Michaels match being great. Great pay-per-view, very fun to watch. Definitely recommend you check out Vengeance 2005 on the WWE Network if you have the subscription. It's worth the watch. Let's get into the Where Are They Now portion of the podcast. And we'll start out with the first match of the show. Carlito and Shelton Benjamin. Carlito has been working on the indies and internationally since being released following a violation of the wellness policy in may of 2010 he's also wrestling for the company co-owned by his dad carlos Colon senior named the world wrestling council located in puerto rico shelton benjamin he's back working for wwe on raw after being initially released by wwe in april of 2010 he wrestled on the indies and for major major promotions like ring of honor new japan and pro wrestling noah before returning to wwe in 2017 victoria and christy victoria following her departure from wwe in 2009 joined impact wrestling and tna where she worked there from 2009 to 2013 and since that time she's worked on the indies and actually she retired back in september of last year christy on the other hand uh, would be sent to OVW later on in 2005 and would be released shortly thereafter. And then she would worked from, for TNA for a decade from 2006 to 2016 as a wrestler, ring announcer, and backstage interviewer. Now, her, along with Gail Kim and Lita, are starting their own wrestling show named Kayfabe. Edge, you know the story with Edge. He'd retire in 2011 after being diagnosed with cervical spinal stenosis, but he would then return in 2020 as a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble. Would have a WrestleMania last man standing match against Randy Orton. Would win that one, but then would lose to Randy Orton at Backlash. Now he's recovering from a torn triceps that he suffered during the taping of that match with Orton at Backlash. Kane? Kane? After an illustrious and storied career in wrestling, Kane really has transitioned into politics. He was elected the mayor of Knox County in Tennessee back in 2018 and has held that position ever since. He still does make sporadic sporadic appearances here and there for WWE. The last time he actually wrestled in a ring was back in November of 2018 when he and Undertaker took on DX at Crown Jewel in what turned out to be a very disastrous match where Triple H tore his pec, and it was just ugly and a complete mess. Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle. Shawn Michaels first. Shawn Michaels would appear to, and wrestle up until 2010 when he lost, his retirement, lost a retirement match to Undertaker at WrestleMania 26, would then come out of retirement for that crown jewel match that I mentioned earlier. And that'd be the last time he wrestled ever. He's retired right after that match. Once again, he's currently a trainer in NXT. And he also helps produce the show, uh, according to an article on SportsKeda.com. Kurt, he has a long history after working for WWE. He would work for WWE for one more year before being granted an early release from his WWE contract in 2006, in August. He would then debut in TNA in September and would work there for the next decade almost. He would return to WWE in 2017 and be inducted, excuse me, into the WWE Hall of Fame. And the day after WrestleMania, He would be announced as the Raw GM. He would hold that position until August of the next year. During his time as GM, though, he would wrestle from time to time. Uh, His best match, honestly, was him and Ronda Rousey against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon at WrestleMania 13. Not 13, WrestleMania 34. And that was Ronda's debut match. Uh, He would retire after his match with Baron Corbin a year later at WrestleMania 35. He was then released from WWE recently in April after budget cuts due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And he most recently appeared in May of this year as a special guest ref for Tim Thatcher and Matt Riddle's cage fight on NXT. And he would also announce... Riddle's arrival to SmackDown. He did get offered a WWE contract. And he was supposed to be Riddle's manager. But Kurt denied that. And I'm totally fine with that. For the semi-main event. John Cena. He was the man for WWE for over a decade. Would win 15 more world titles. And then most recently... He had a Firefly Firefly Funhouse match versus Bray Wyatt at Mania 36. Now his focus is on Hollywood. He's appeared on many commercials and in movies such as Trainwreck and the Transformers spinoff prequel, Bumblebee. Christian, he would leave WWE after his contract expired in late October of 2005, would sign with TNA shortly thereafter, and would have multiple runs with the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship before returning to WWE in 2009, where he would become an ECW Intercontinental and World Heavyweight Champion. He would retire in 2014, and most recently he appeared on Raw to avenge Edge's loss to Randy Orton, and then Orton would ultimately win the match after a low blow from Flair and a punt from Randy Orton. And Chris Jericho, man, does this guy have a history? This guy is making history at age 49. I'm a huge jericho uh, He would feud with John Cena until he was subsequently re- uh, fired after losing a year-fired match in August against John Cena. He would return in 2007, and he would have multiple runs of like one or two years before finally leaving the company In 2017, after a great and fantastic feud with Kevin Owens, the list, that was the time. 2016-17 was the list of Jericho era, and that was fantastic. And his last appearance for WWE was in April of 2018 at the Greatest Royal Rumble. He would start appearing for uh, New Japan in early 2018. He took on Kenny Omega for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship at Wrestle Kingdom, would lose that match. But since then, he's wrestled multiple times for New Japan against the likes of Omega Okada, Evil, Tetsuya Naito, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And Jericho would then become one of the first people signed by AEW in 2019. And he became the inaugural aew world champion and even though he lost the title back in february against john moxley he continues to be entertaining as ever at the ripe age of 49 triple h and batista batista he would leave the company in 2010 and would return in 2014 won the royal rumble main event at wrestlemania 30 with daniel bryan and randy orton He would leave the company again that June and would return to SmackDown in 2018 to reunite Evolution and start a feud with Triple H. And that was during SmackDown 1000. And this led to a match between Batista and Randy Orton. Not Randy Orton. Batista and Triple H at WrestleMania 35. This was Batista's retirement match. And Batista lost that match against Triple H, and Batista actually was slated to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame here this year. but that's due to the COVID-19 pandemic that has yet to happen. Triple H still wrestles from time to time. He won four more world championships following, uh, well, the years in the years following this, And now he's the executive vice president of global talent strategy and development for WWE. And he is the founder and senior producer of NXT and Triple H has truly built NXT into a great brand. And some of the best pay-per-views you'll see are from NXT. And that's it for the, where are they now portion of the show I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed the review. I hope you enjoyed the where are they now portion of the show. But next week, I'm going to take a trip in the way back machine. I'm going back to 1990 WCW. Yeah, the Great American Bash 1990. Famously known for the match where Sting won the World Heavyweight Championship from Woo! The Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Some other matches on that show included Brian Pillman versus Buddy Landell, Mike Rotunda versus the Iron Sheik, Harley Race versus Tommy Rich, Big Van Vader Vader versus Tom Zenick, the Steiner Brothers against the fabulous Free Brothers, just to name a few. And actually, a young, mean Mark Callis, Taking on Lex Luger, and if you know who, mean Mark Callis is—he's the Undertaker. Uh, look forward to giving you that pay-per-view review next week. The Great American Bash 1990 should have that up for you next Friday. But in the meantime, as always, make sure to follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Sig Daddy Wrestling on Instagram at Sig Daddy dot wrestle until next time this is sig daddy signing off thanks for listening and so long everybody